Flush meadows, you find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your words, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Now, who needs that today? Even when the valley, even when, even when the way goes through the death valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You know what I love about these verses? Is that either you can be in the lush meadows or you can be going through Death Valley. And that God is a God who provides in both. And so no matter where you are at today, no matter what you are facing, no matter what you are going through, that God provides in both of those situations. Let's keep going. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. And you can be seated. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much that you are a good Father, God, that you are with us, that you are with us now, God, no matter if we are in the lush meadows, God, or if we are going through Death Valley right now, God, I know that in this room, God, that you are the great provider, God, if anybody's facing anything that, they, that gives them stress or anxiety or just maybe they just don't feel right or maybe they just didn't have the courage to come into church this morning, but they are here, God, I pray that you would just... Give them something, God. Give them something special today that I pray that everybody in this room would meet you face to face today, that there would be a face to face encounter with Jesus above anything I would say or anything that I would do. God, be with me as I speak today. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I, I, didn't, I didn't really know how specifically to start this off, but I, I kind of talked about this before is that um, for me to go to sleep, for me to go to bed, I have to kind of like remove myself from reality. And so what I do is, is I picture I am the quarterback for the Browns about to win the Super Bowl. And I really wanted to say a joke about being a Browns quarterback right here, but my lawyers told me not to. So you guys get it? Anybody get it? Okay, anyway. But anyway, so, um, or I, like I'm on the Cavs and I'm a star basketball player um, for the Cavs. And so, I, and so I do this to fall asleep or, or um, yeah. And it, but you know what I always realize about these dreams or about these things is that I am always the hero. I'm always the one. I'm always the one that is in the front of the story. I'm always the one being the hero in my story. And so, I, and, and I think this translates to my life is that I'm always looking or searching for some way to be significant. Or I guess you could say, no is that people would know that, that in some way I'm significant or that I'm good enough or that I'm a good person, my reputation is good, that, 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 my, yeah, that, that people accept me and love me for who I am. And so I'm always looking for or searching for or have been searching for significance. Searching for significance. And in, and in this, and in, and in this, and, in, and I hope you get where I'm coming from when I say this, but, but when we started out, and it's even happened in youth group, is that when we started out, that, like, we started out with six kids. We had six kids, and I was just like, man, if we could just get to, if we could just get to 20, everything would be great, everything would be awesome. Then we got to 20, and I was like, you know what, if we just got to 40, and then, um, if we could just get to 40, then we'll be good. Then we got to 40, and it's like, man, we could just get to 60. And just like over and over again, it's like, oh, things will be better when. Things will be better when. And, I, and I've done this so many times before. Or it, it maybe even in your own life, you keep thinking, like, things will be better when I get this. It could be car, money. I don't know who just keeps buying cars, but hey, you know what? Good for you. But, um, <laughs> but is that, like, yeah, it could be so many different things, like, 
there could be so many different things in your life that that just keeps happening with. And maybe it is like love and acceptance from other people or just so many different things of like, I'll be good when this happens. And, and, and you know, in my, my quest for significance or my quest to be known or my quest for people to know that they can love me and accept me and all these different things, I often have to have control over my life. I have to control what people think about me. I have to control my actions. I have to control what is happening around me. I control what people think about me, my reputation. And sometimes I run myself ragged doing it. And in that, I take control from God because honestly, I have some sort of trust issue. And I think that's what Psalm 23 is all about, is just trust. Do I trust the Good Shepherd to no matter where I'm going, that God is leading me and providing for me? And I believe there's a story that really, really well represents where we're going today. There's God. And, um, and um, that really, really re represents well where we're going today. Um, and it's in Luke 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. I'm just picking all of the verses that, you know, a lot of us probably know. But if you don't know them, that's great. That's awesome. I'm so glad you're here. So we're going to be in Luke 15 today. So it says this in Luke 15, 11 through 16. It says, Jesus continued. He's talking to a group of people. There's a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything there, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. But, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, and I don't think it's as blatant as this story, but I believe that I also do this sometimes with God is that, God, I think I know how to run my life better than you. And maybe it's not like, like these crazy things that I say to him like that, but it's in little ways of things that I'm trying to control of what people think about me or the outcomes of my life or things that are going on around me. And it's not blatant trust issues. I believe in God. I trust in God, but I don't believe it or trust, or actually, I don't trust in God enough to give him co complete control of my life. Is that there's this kind of this barrier of I only let God go so far with this. Is I only trust God so much with my life and I don't give him complete control. Because what happens if I give him complete control? Because I have so many questions about it. What if he asks me to give up something I really care about? What if I lose all my money? What if I lose things in my life that I really, really care about? And, and what if I look dumb doing it? What if my reputation is, is ruined because of it? There, I have so many questions to God and I hope you hear me wrestling with it even now because I do not have this figured out. And, but, but in all of this, my biggest question is, does God have the best intention for my life? Is he a father? Is he somebody that I can trust? Does, does he actually want what is best for me? Can I, can I trust him fully? Can I actually give him complete control? Is he a good shepherd? And will he provide me in every season? And, and again, I'm still wrestling with this, but I, I hope 
And I believe that, that, that at the end of the sermon that, that all of us can see that God is a God that wants the best for us. And me and you today, that we can take a step forward and trust. That we can understand that we can trust God as our provider, as God as our good shepherd, and God as our father. That all of us today can maybe grow a little bit more in trust and give up a little bit more control to God. And, and that is who he is for us. And so I just want to read the rest of the story and show and work and see who God as our Father truly is to us. So in Luke 15 through 17 through 20, Luke 15, 17 through 24, it says this. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants? Sorry about that. So, and he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Because I think, I think in those verses too is that there is a glimpse or there is a moment in all of our lives where maybe some of us realize that, or maybe some of us realize like, man, I don't know if I hold complete control or maybe I shouldn't be holding complete control because I've gotten myself into some stuff or maybe I'm facing something that is way bigger than me and I need God to come in and fill in the gap or I need somebody to come and fill in the gap because I can't handle this anymore. This is way out of my depth. This is way out of my control. And it is amazing that we have a father that fills in the gaps. Let's keep going. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his, sons, his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. And put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they, so they began to celebrate. So today all I want to do today is just, is just, just look through all the verbs that are in this verse. Or all the verbs that at least I found. And the very first one is that he saw now it, now it says that he saw from a long way off, that he saw his son from far away. And so that means to me, and what it looks like, is that this father was searching all along. That he was scanning the horizon, looking and waiting for the day for his son to come back home. It could have been days, it could have been weeks, it could have been years. But this father, we have a father who looks and scans the horizon, looking for his son and his daughters to come back home. That we have a God now that is looking on this in this earth and all of humanity is looking and searching and hoping and waiting for all of his children to come back home to him. And he is looking now and he's looking and watching and hoping for all of humanity to come back home for all of us. He sees us and he sees you too. And he, he sees you too now in your heartbreak or in your pain. He is a God who sees and is watching for us. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, it says this. Who wants... It says this, he's talking about God, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, that we have a God that is just urgently waiting and hoping for all of his, all of his kids to come back home to him and run back home to him. And then the next thing it says, it says that he had compassion, that we do not have a servant God or a father who is aloof and far off, who is removed from society, but know that it has 
deep feelings for us. And when we run home to him or when we come home to him or we're in a bind that he is filled with compassion, that he loves us and he cares for us, that this is not a God that is removed from us, but know that has deep feelings and compassions for us. In John eleven thirty five, it says this, Jesus wept. I think this is the most amazing verse in all the Bible because it shows the depth that which Jesus felt for humanity. And this verse was while he was standing outside of his friend's tomb at his funeral. That we have a God that weeps with us and cries with us and feels for us, that loves us and cares for us. That we have a God that is filled with compassion for us. And he ran. And he ran. It says that God, or the Father, ran towards his son. Now, a side note a little bit is that this would have been against the cultural rules of the day. That, that there's something to do with, um, like, showing your knees. And so when he would have ran, his, um, what you call it, like, rope would have, like, come up. But I just want you to see that today, that God will break the cultural, brown, rap, cultural rules and break rules just so that he can get to his children. That he is a God that goes that does crazy and amazing things just for you and for I, that, that also that he runs towards us, that he pursues you. He has pursued you all of your life, that from, from the very day you were born to this day right here, that God has pursued you and a relationship with you, that he is on the run towards you, and he's also pursuing all of humanity. This is the Father that we serve. And that he embraced, that he embraced his son. He gave a hug to his son. He hugged him, and, and I think this shows the heart of the Father that he just wants to be with us and embrace us and hug us. In Revelation 21, 3, 5, this is God's intention for all of humanity, for all of creation, for all of this. This is how the story ends. It says this in Revelation 21, 3 through 5, it says, I heard a loud voice from the, so, from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. God's heart is just to be with his creation, just to be with us, to embrace us. And oh, what a day that will be when we get to see our Savior face to face, the one who has loved me and known me. And I get to hug him and, and I get to hug the guy who died for me and who loves me completely. And they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the for the old thing for the old order of things has passed away. What an amazing thing to have that we have a God that just wants to be with us, that just wants to embrace us, that just wants to give us a hug. And not only will he do that at the end of time, but he will actually wants to do that now. Maybe you just feel like you need a friend to be there for you in the midst of your hurt and your pain. He is willing to do that. And the next thing that he did and is he actually ignored. And he actually ignored all the excuses the son had that he should no longer be a son. I think all of us do that, is that we maybe come to God or maybe we come to Jesus or we pray and we maybe even think that, God, I've done so many things that, 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 that I should not even be a part of your family. You shouldn't love me anymore. There's no way I should even be a part of this. And, and I think it's amazing that God actually, or the Father actually ignores what the Son says. And it actually says, and I even think about this too, is that he also, he ignores, but he also forgets. 
that he actually forgot the son's sins. And not saying that, that God forgets our sins, but he actually did something for it, that he wiped the slate clean because he died for us and he has forgiven us now. So maybe you're holding on to something. Maybe you've been thinking for a while now, I shouldn't be coming to church because of what I've done. I shouldn't be doing these things. I can't even read my Bible because of the things that I've said or done. And there's just something weighing on your soul now. And I just want you to know that he ignores the, your plea and your excuses that you shouldn't be a part of your family. And he has forgotten your sins because he has forgiven you now. We have a father that forgives us. And Hebrews 8, 12, it says this. For I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. We have a God who ignores our excuses and who has forgiven us and forgotten our sins. And then he gave. It says that, that God gave, or <laughs> that it says that the father gave his son a ring and a robe. So I got a ring. Yeah, I just got married. This isn't an appropriate gesture, by the way. Um, but I just got a ring. And what it shows is, is my identity that I'm now married to faith. I'm now married to faith and I am now her, her husband. I'm now her husband. And what that saying is, is that the father gave his son's identity back. He gave him his ring and he has given us an identity as a son, as a daughter. That is what God has done for us. He has given us an identity and he has also given us all the good things in our lives. He is so generous. In John 3.16 it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I am just using all the P. Graham Dunn verses today. But what it is to say that we serve such a generous God that he has given us salvation, that he has given us our identity, that he has given us a place to call home, and he has given us, more importantly, him, a father. And then it says that he celebrated. I think some of us might even have a picture of a father of a God because of the way we grew up as a God that crosses his arms and doesn't have fun or doesn't enjoy fun. But it isn't amazing that we, one, we run back home to him, that he actually celebrates that when somebody says yes to him, when somebody says yes to a relationship with Jesus, that God celebrates, that he is so excited, that he is so pumped, that he celebrates when one of his children come home. All I can think about is in youth group, all those kids that got baptized and that said yes to him, that the angels and God were throwing this huge party that somebody said yes to come back into the family and he did that for you and he did that for me and he is still celebrating in Luke 15 7 it says this just a few verses before the story it says I tell you that in the same way Jesus is talking there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent we have a God that celebrates his children and he, we have a God that celebrates and throws parties when one of his children come back home this is the God we serve he sees us when we're far way off he's looking for all of his children to come back home he's compassionate and feeling and he loves this world and he cries over this world when things happen he runs towards us he's been pursuing you your whole life he's been pursuing you and I all the way up until this point he is embracing us he hugs us he just wants to be with us he ignores our excuses that we shouldn't be a part of the family he's forgotten and forgiven all of our sins he has given his son he has given 
given us identity. He has given us a place to call home. And he has celebrated all of us. And that is the father that we serve. We can trust him now. We can know that that is the father that we serve now. He, we, don't, we don't have to have a mistaken identity. I know that some people in this room, maybe you didn't have a good father or a good relationship with your father. Or plainly, maybe he just wasn't there. But I want you to know that that is not the God we serve. We have a good father that you can trust now. And we don't have to search for significance or to be known. We already have it, and He loves us, and He cares for us. This is the God and the Father that we serve, and He is a good shepherd. And Psalm 23 can be trusted that it is truth for you and for I. Amen. And, oh man, I, I just think about all these things. And, I, and like, I'm not... I don't know, like I'm not hopeless or anything, but man, there's just been some times through the week where I've just been really sad. Just like, and not hopeless, not like I've given up hope, but like just sad about things that are happening in this world or things that we're experiencing. Like, I'm just so sick and tired of seeing people get shot. I'm so sick and tired of hatred that is happening. I'm so sick and tired of people being divided and people being lonely and just going through stuff. And I just want everybody to know that there is a Father in Heaven who loves them and who cares for them and is not okay with what is going on. And so our church and us as a body of believers and you now, are we are supposed to spread the heartbeat of the Father to everyone and let them know that there is a God in Heaven who loves them and who cares for them. God, we desperately need a move of God and the Spirit and the revival of Him. And so today, now, would you, all of us, be just show the heartbeat of the Father when we go to work, when we go to coffee shops, when we go to restaurants. That is what we are called to do, and this is what this world needs so desperately, is a good shepherd. That we don't have to be divided anymore because God has all called us all sons and daughters. That we don't have to hate each other anymore because we are all a fam part of the family of God. Our world desperately needs the heartbeat of the Father and we are the ones to carry it. And, and, I, and so there, there can be so many things in this world. There can be so many things in this world that we think maybe are more than, or maybe they have just caught our eye. And I think it's amazing that God says this to his, the father says this to his older son. You see, the father comes to, sorry, the son comes to his father because he's upset about this party because why would you celebrate somebody that just came back to you? Like, I've been, and he says this, he's like, I've been serving you forever. I've been doing all these things for you forever. And maybe he was already looking for love and significance from the father. But the father says this to him in Luke, 1531 and he said son you are always with me and all that I have is yours maybe in this room today you've been looking for significance like I am you've been looking to be known like I am and you've been serving God so much and, and maybe the mistaken identity of the father that you have is that you think you have to work for all of it but you don't have to sell yourself shortening it anymore and you know like isn't it so sad to know that that son was working in those fields forever looking for the significance that uh, the love of his father and it was always there because he says this you are always with me and all that i have is yours 
You see, there is nothing in this world that compares like the relationship that we have with God. Everything that we that He has now is ours, and we are heirs. We are heirs because of what Jesus has done with us. That He has called us a son and a daughter. There's nothing more in this world that is worth more than what Jesus has given to us. And so now, whatever the world can offer, whatever whatever they try to sell me short on, I cannot be bought by it anymore because I have met a Father who loves me and who cares for me and who's provided all these things for me. And I cannot be bought by anything. So I will say yes to his purpose. I will say yes to what he has for me. Even when I feel like I need to control it or I have trust issues with him, I will say yes. And I cannot be bought by anything in this world anymore because I have met the one who loves and cares for my soul. So I will say, I will no longer say yes to this. I will no longer say yes to anything that is beneath me or anything beneath the purpose that God has for me. I cannot be bought by this world anymore because I have been bought by a price by Jesus Christ because he has died for me and he has laid claim to my soul. And I have met him and I have realized that he is worth so much more than anything that this world can offer. And so I have all that I need and you have all that you need. And so no longer will any of us say yes and that's what our choice is today, is will you say yes to the things that are beneath what God has for us and to trust that God is a good, good father that has the best intentions for us, that Psalm 23 is true, that you might be going through hell today, but he is still providing for you. He is still providing for you in that good moment you are in now that God has provided for you. And so we can now trust that he is the good shepherd. So let me pray for you. You, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for what you're doing, God. God, I pray that, I don't know, maybe today or maybe tomorrow or just, I don't know, maybe something will catch our eye or maybe we'll have to search for significance. I don't know, God, but may we be reminded, God, that, that you are a good father, God. Or maybe when we feel like we're insignificant or maybe when something is coming up against us, may we remind you that you are provider. And I pray that anybody that might be facing hell today, God, that they would know or just walking through the valley of shadow death, that they would know that you are with them and that you are a good father that has the best intentions for them, that they can trust you, God. May all of us take just one step further of trusting you more and giving up just giving up a little bit more of control and that we would do that each and every single day. Thank you so much, God, for what you've done for all of us, that you have bought us for a price and now that we are yours. And if anybody in this room has not made that decision today, I pray, God, that they would take that step to, towards a relationship with you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.